This podcast was originally the audio for a work of the same name for the Nearly On Red YouTube channel, found at youtube.com slash c slash nearly on red. Though not intended to be a standalone podcast, viewers frequently consume my videos for their audio content only, so I have duplicated my work in this format to hopefully save people a step. A full list of content and platforms can be found at nearlyonred.com or the short link nearly.red, N-E-A-R-L-Y dot R-E-D. Enjoy! So Bunny Girl Senpai is going to be a little bit more bullet point style today, rather than the usual long series of transitions. Um, this will be true for some of the other sections as well. Starting off, as we suggested last time, the cabinet did contain some memento from the past, and Sakata being the one who discovers it allows Mai to retain plausible deniability. It's notable that Sakata simply held on to this information until the right moment, rather than forcing the issue immediately. As he says, he is eager to get back to his lovey-dovey existence with Mai, so it's not like he has no motivation to solve their crisis as soon as possible. Instead, it seems like he has a vested interest in fixing not just the body swap, but their relationship as well. It is pointed out that it's their appearance and not their inner selves that swapped. Mai still woke up in her normal bed to answer her normal phone when it first happened. There was not a situation of Nodoka waking up in Mai's body and bed. I feel like what this implies is that is it is only the impression of the other person that they are co-opting for the meantime. Um, that is, each puts on a superficial representation of the other person. It's not who the other person is, but their impression of who the other person is. One of the things these two episodes put a lot of effort into is representing which person each girl is supposed to be moment to moment. This is mostly performed by the voice actresses, shifting their delivery to be more Mai-like or more Nodoka-like, depending on who they are speaking to. If it's Sakata or each other, they deliver like their real selves, but to anyone else, they attempt to deliver in a way that matches their outward appearance. Even the animators will get in on this. When Mai as Nodoka is addressing Sakata, she has Mai's normal, confident posture. Conversely, Nodoka as Mai will let her insecurity show in her body language uh, whenever she's around just Sakata. We'll talk about it again in a minute, but you can tell that the paparazzi snapshot at the end was of Nodoka rather than the real Mai just based on how she is carrying herself. Um, now I spoke about this with a few of you in the comments from last time, but it seems that this arc was not just about Nodoka and her turmoil, but about Mai as well. Even the brief discussion between Futaba and Sakata at the end seems to hint toward Mai having some envy toward Nodoka. After all, if they didn't actually body swap, then it should have been possible for Nodoka to simply take on Mai's appearance without Mai needing to change at all, right? Um, I think this distinction is important for that reason, that it tells us Nodoka is not the only person being affected by this particular iteration of Adolescent Syndrome. There's even a clue in the preview from the previous episode. Usually only one girl delivers the final line, but last time it was multiple. As if cluing us in that multiple girls would be the focus. Now, we understand pretty well Nodoka's envy, but what do we think is afflicting Mai? 
Their discussion over the letters will reveal that Mai treasured them, that her little sister stuck out in her mind as different from all of the other people that were surrounding her whirlwind existence. Mai derived some of her motivation to keep going from the encouragement that Nodoka gave her. Is it possible that Mai partially just wanted to understand her sister better? Bothered by the distance which had been enforced between them by their competitive parents? And is it possible she was jealous that Nodoka still had their father in her life? While Nodoka and her mother are at odds, it still seems like she has a better relationship than Mai has with her own mother. Nodoka had parents to run away from to start this whole crisis, but Mai is completely independent and apparently has been for years. Is she actually envious of how Nodoka's mother reacted at the idle high-five line and how obviously concerned for her daughter she was? Additionally, Nodoka complains about how utterly professional Mai is, but is it possible Mai wishes that she could occasionally be just a little less responsible? A little more like her younger sister? I mean, even her relationship with Sakata is a constant ebb and flow between how she wants to act and how she thinks she should act and how honest she can be varies from moment to moment. She even relies on Sakata to know the right moment to reveal her own feelings towards her little sister. For Onodoka's part, she actually started out thinking of Mai as One-chan, and called her that before and after meeting her, including while writing the letters. But when she found out that they are not full-blooded sisters, not only did she stop writing, she felt like she could no longer call Mai One-chan because she was being a hassle and maybe misunderstanding their relationship. Maybe she was embarrassed at not understanding as well. Um, but it seems that she never stopped thinking of her that way, which is why it's all she calls her when she's around Sakata, and why she nearly slips up and calls her that in the previous episode. When they meet up again at the end of this episode, after she's seen the treasured letters, she goes right back to calling her Onei-chan as though the imagined distance between them was closed the moment she realized that she really did matter to Mai. It's like the two sisters wanted to be sisters all along, but the family situation and the enforced competition created an artificial contention that they just went along with. However, Nodoka showing up at Mai's house when in crisis, and Mai simply taking her in, was already a hint that the divide between them was not very substantial. They were just too much strangers to understand how to be honest with each other, both with their negative and positive feelings. Now that this barrier is removed, it's little wonder that they want to try living together. Nodoka gives the excuse of having another fight with her mother, but I feel like that really is just an excuse. The reality is that she and Mai want to repair their relationship, and their best chance is to simply cut their parents out of the loop entirely. So speaking of parents, um, I said last time that the parents' effects on not just Kamisato and Nodoka, but also on Mai, seemed to be changing the arc itself. That parental influence was reaching into the story in a more substantial way. This is both continued and ramped up in this episode, with Nodoka's mother showing up at several points and being a key part of resolving the crisis. I have to wonder if it's possible that, quite aside from the competitive thing between the mothers, that Nodoka's mom saw how she idolized Mai, once she found out about her, and maybe was pushing her to try to be like her. Like, Mai's whole spiel at the end about her hand shaking and being uneasy 
suggests that she thought the mother had a real stake in Nodoka's happiness. Does her mother think that Nodoka herself will only be happy if she can be successful like Mai? I mean, Nodoka does seem pretty hung up on how her idol group isn't as popular as she wants. And she's mad at Mai for returning to show business just as she was finally starting to take off. I don't think this belief that she should try to be like Mai comes entirely from a pushy mother. In fact, that might be the cart before the horse. That the mother thinks this is what Nodoka wants and takes it on herself to push her towards her goal. Um, the two of them swap their appearances at the end only after Nodoka asks if she doesn't have to be like Mai. Importantly, Mai says that she can if she wants to, and Nodoka decides that she doesn't want to. Now, much like in other arcs, someone unrelated to the crisis is brought into the story to give additional insight or an additional parallel. Last time, it was Kamisato to cast light on the inferiority complex that comes from having an overachieving older sister. This time, it is Sakata's dad to cast light on the uncertainty and difficulty inherent in being a parent. His dad even explains it pretty well, that it's difficult to understand what it's like being a parent unless you become one. Sakata gets to support Mai's own observation of Nodoka's mother's uncertainty, and I think understanding that underscores that there isn't a single path to success or happiness. Copying Mai is not the only thing that can make either of them happy. No one is better at being Mai than Mai is. Mai seems to Nodoka to be better at being Nodoka than she is too, but if that's so, it's only because Nodoka has been trying to be Mai. Of course, Mai is better at that. Nodoka isn't going to make herself or her mother happy until she decides to do whatever it is that she is best at, a Nodoka that no one else can be. Let's see, um, there is a scene where Kaede has put on her school uniform, and first Sakata and then Mai see her. Mai knows just what to say to Kaede in that moment, while Sakata basically completely whiffs. Um, it's an amusing parallel to see Mai understand what his little sister needs during the same time period that Sakata is working to understand what her little sister needs. Quite aside from the effectiveness of that as a storytelling tool, um, I think this says to us that each of them is serious enough about their relationship to feel like they have a stake in the other's family. Um, but that seriousness looks like it is going to face another test. I spent a good bit of time last episode talking about how romantic plots and subplots benefit from keeping the couple apart or adding some tension about them staying together. The emerging photo of Mai and Sakata together is going to bring the dating prohibition back to the forefront. Like I mentioned before, that photo seems to be of Nodoka wearing Mai's body. It appears to have happened sometime during their discussion about Sakata's parents. Here you can see them walking with the same outfits and the same pose as in the picture. Her hands clasped behind, him with his hands in his pocket, and the background of trees and concrete dividers matches up as well. Since they are walking right up to Mai's apartment where they will run into Nodoka's mother, it seems believable that some paparazzi would have staked the place out to get a picture of her returning, especially if they knew that she had a shoot that day. It's honestly a miracle that such a photo hadn't been taken before now, as they have been relatively reckless during this whole body swap encounter. Even earlier in the day, when they are at the train station, you can see a woman in the background who seems to be looking at them rather than at her companion. 
Thus, they are once again being prevented from settling into anything like normalcy. Um, but that is also going to serve to direct Sakata's focus back toward his sister and his own family situation. Um, it may also be part of a larger problem, uh, but I'll address that at the end. Now, I mentioned last time that it seems like a logical progression to work toward bringing Kaede's crisis to the forefront since we are focusing on a different little sister problem. Um, this episode actually helps set that up even more than I expected. Kaede shows interest in changing the status quo through the action of trying on her school uniform again, and Sakata indicates that he knows this may signal a shift in her. To further bring their father into the episode and have Sakata more fully flesh out the family situation to Nodoka gives a very natural segue to dealing with her issue. Perhaps this will shed light on Sakata's issue as well. Whatever it is that caused his own injury, something that we still have very little information on. Now, as we transition into the next arc, what do we think of Sakata's parents? Um, he obviously has no strong aversion or acceptance of them, and the scene with him and his father does a good job of demonstrating that there is some awkwardness to their current relationship. The dad doesn't seem like a bad guy from what we've been shown, but I feel like we are really missing some information here. Kaede was being bullied at school, this manifested as physical damage to her, and yet it was the mother so freaked out by this that she had to be hospitalized, and has remained hospitalized or in some kind of recovery all this time, to the degree that it precluded either parent from actually taking care of their children? Like, surely there is more to the story. Now, I may be way off, but I want to point out something that might give a clue. So far in the series, each of the girls we see go through adolescent syndrome actually wanted some aspect of what happened to them, but the end result was like a monkey's paw version of their wish. Mai wanted to go to a world where no one else knew her, and instead had such a world come to her, nearly replacing her reality with one in which she was invisible to all. Tomoe was so obsessed with perfectly fitting into the atmosphere and predicting what kind of person she needed to be that she caused a time loop where she is stuck trying to get the perfect outcome, unable to move on until she does. Futaba has a situation where she wants two different things and to think of herself in two different ways, and rather than choose, she ends up with two versions of herself. This time, Nodoka and Mai both want to understand each other better, I think, and Nodoka's method thus far has involved her trying to emulate Mai with the result of them getting to live the other's life in a very literal sense. So, if that pattern is intentional, what can we guess that Kaede wished for that instead resulted in suffering physical damage from verbal abuse? Was there some outcome she wished for, and the injuries were simply the means to that end? We don't know enough about their family situation to make a good guess yet, um, I don't think. But just to give an example, what if what Kaede wanted was to be closer to Sakata, to have a life with just the two of them in it? Despite the awful sequence of events that led there, that is almost what she got, right? I'm not saying that's what it is, but do you understand what I mean that the question to ask is what Kaede herself wanted in all this? Kaede even cites her brother bringing new girls home all the time as part of the reason that she has dusted off her uniform and that she needs to shape up soon. That at least suggests to me that something about their family situation is part of what incited all this, not just her friend situation. 
Finally, to circle back to the dating prohibition, um, this may end up being just a small symptom of a larger problem. There's a reason that entertainers have so many challenges in trying to keep their relationships healthy, and I can see setting up Sakata and Mai to have a crisis going into the final arc. It doesn't have to be an issue of how they feel about one another to still create a situation that they cannot reconcile, ultimately resulting in a split, or Mai having to choose between him or her career. Real life does not work like stories, where loving one another is all that is required to succeed. The reality of jobs and distances and illness and family situations are all things which can defeat even the most enthusiastic of lovebirds. Hating the truth of that is probably why we like such stories in the first place. I bring that up because it looks like Kaede's arc will be the final one for our series. However, there is a movie intended for next year that will contain the arc after that one, which I presume to be the final arc to the whole story. I said originally that I thought Shoko would end up being the final boss, and it now looks like that will still be true, that the movie will be about her and Sakata, and however their present situation relates to Kaede's original conflict in the past. Remember, Shoko is basically Sakata's first crush, though it was the older version of her that he met at a critical point in his life. I can see how the stakes for that arc would be upped considerably if he and Mai are facing some true roadblocks to their own relationship um, at the same time. Since Kaede's original crisis was what brought them together, and since Kaede's bout of adolescent syndrome seems like it is the next to be addressed, there is a pretty natural setup to connect Sakata to Shoko in a more substantial way just as this season ends. Seeing he and Mai get pushed further apart at this juncture, it doesn't seem like happenstance. Title music by Russell J. Crowe, other music licensed from the artists at Audio Jungle. Script, performance, and editing by Theta. Theta is played by Redacted. Original video can be found at youtube.com slash C slash Nearly on Red. And a full list of credits is available at nearlyonred.com. Until next time, thanks for everything.